I remember reading her story and I was like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> and I, I didn't really think about sexuality at that time. I was too young, I, I think. But I went to school dressed up as Sapo and my teacher was like, what are you doing? Welcome to the Panic Room, where we explore life by embracing chaos and celebrating setbacks. I'm your host, Sophia Yen. In this episode, I speak with Alex, a gender non-binary friend grew up in a strict religious immigrant family. This pandemic has created an invaluable cocoon for Alex to reflect and refigurate how different aspects of their experience fit into their identity. They're here today to talk about how to become more comfortable in one's self-expressions and the uncomfortable conversations along the way. Let's start the show. Welcome, Alex. Hey, Sophia. I'm Alex, and um, that's not my real name, but I would like to adopt that name for right now. And I am about to start my junior year of college with Sophia. I am double majoring and minoring, so I'm a very, very busy person. And I have spent the last two semesters doing school at home because of the pandemic, which is why I'm able to talk to you guys here today, because I learned a lot about myself during that time and really came to accept parts of myself that I had a hard time digesting and processing growing up. Would you like to start by um, telling us about your childhood upbringing? Yeah, so I come from a Middle Eastern household, which I know a lot of people have stereotypes about Middle Eastern parents and stuff and how strict they are. And I would say those do hold up mostly in truth. So my household was very, very religious. And even though a lot of things growing up weren't straight up told to me about the way we were supposed to live or conduct ourselves, I could see it in the people around me and the way that they treated other people or the way they talked about other people, things like that. I would say part of that experience was I went to a private religious school for the beginning of my education up until second grade and I think that really cemented in me this religious attitude towards life and I really really wanted to be the perfect religious kid growing up I wanted to be a kid my parents could be proud of they could depend on I wanted to be a kid that other parents could look at and say oh wow like that family's got it going you know So that was a really, really big part of my life and was very, very important to me. But I would say around five or six years old, I was in either first or second grade, something like that. And I remember there was a lot going on in my head concerning the way I was born versus how I felt I wanted to be. So I ended up making friends with a lot of boys and I was kind of felt like I wanted to be like them. I was very jealous of the way they dressed and acted, but I knew in the back of my head, like, oh, God made you this way. You were born this way and you have to be this way, that kind of attitude. Would you say there was a key moment that you 
reflect back on and realize I was different than other girls. Yeah, I think I remember one day actually, like a specific day, where I was standing on the couch playing with my friends. And we were playing like a, you know how kids do like family game, like a house game, like you're the mom, you're the pet, you're the child, that kind of thing. I told my friends I wanted to be the dad and they're like, yeah, whatever, like we don't care. And at that time I had some, you know, what would be considered girl clothes. And then I also had a couple of like t-shirts from the guys section that I had And then I like put those on and I was like, and I felt like I could really remember the feeling of like, wow, I feel like a boy right now. So that was a really interesting feeling. And I remember that very clearly. That's interesting because you mentioned that you come from a religious household. So growing up, kind of being different from your peers, were you ever um, pressured to become like succumb to the norm as say in terms of how you're dressed and how you act yes 100% like I would say as a kid they don't care what you do because it's just like you know a child and children are these innocent pure little perfect um, beings right and I only started encountering that I think in high school when my parents would be like you know, why don't you dress up a little today? Like you always dress really, you know, raggedy and kind of weird. Why don't you put on a nice blouse that I bought for you? Or why don't you try wearing a dress to church this Sunday or things like that? Like those moments always felt very like heavy to me, but also it's kind of like I expected people to eventually speak up. So it happened often and it I was kind of like try to brush it off and sometimes I would please my parents and you know put something on that was more feminine but yeah yeah that's interesting I feel even in general everyone has been under the pressure of gender policing just when we're growing up especially as kids like I've read so many studies about how people react to like a female baby and a male baby differently based on their perception, like giving them different toys, interact with them differently. I remember this one moment when I was a kid, um, my grandma, she was obsessed with me wearing like pink dresses. And for some reason, I just hated them. Next, Next time I showed up to her house, I was wearing all black and I remember she just being so pissed off in the back of my head I was saying you know thinking why does this matter to anyone how like why does it feel like there is a certain set of rules I have to follow like where did this come from definitely feel like everybody regardless of what you identify as has gone through something like this where they felt the pressure to be more pretty or be more masculine or whatever Even I'm not cisgendered, obviously, but um, cisgendered people, which are people that identify with the gender identity assigned to them at birth, usually corresponding to their genitalia, right? Um, Even they will feel 
pressure to conform to the perfect man or the perfect woman ideal. So I, I would see that all kind of connecting together. There's a trend that was quite recent and it was like, show a picture of you on TikTok, I think, of uh, the moment like that should have told you and people around you that you were gay or that you were trans or things like that. And they kind of felt like that, like I should have noticed. But anyways, um, I'd say the first one would be in middle school, sixth grade, we were learning about ancient Greece and ancient Rome. And we were told to dress up as like a god or goddess. And I wanted to be super original. Like I didn't want anyone else to be dressed like me. So I went digging online to find like obscure Greek and Roman figures. And I stumbled upon Sappho, which is, um, she was a poet on the island of Lesbos. And she was like one of the first historical figures to be documented as someone that openly loved women, that was openly gay. I remember reading her story and I was like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> and I, I didn't really think about sexuality at that time. I was too young, I, I think. But I went to school dressed up as Sapo and my teacher was like, what are you doing? Because she was this, you know, white Southern woman that might've been homophobic. I don't know. I'm not going to pin that on her, but yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> A better moment where things really got um, to me in, in my head would be further down the line when I was a little older. Um, my freshman year of high school, Rick Riordan, I'm sure a lot of people know him. He wrote the Percy Jackson series. He also did Magnus Chase. I think that was the one that I was reading at the time. And in that book, there's a character named Alex Fierro. And he's gender fluid. So someday she uses she, her pronouns. Some days he uses he, him pronouns. And uh, she switches it up the way he looks, things like that. Um, so Alex, I thought was like the coolest person ever while reading this book. Like I was obsessed to the point where I started going by Alex, which is why that's my pseudonym for today. Um, and I would like go to fast food restaurants and they'd be like, what's the name for the order? And I'd be like, it's Alex. And like, I was so happy using what such a, what presented to me is such a gender neutral name. It made me feel very comfortable. So, um, I think that was a moment that like really made me think like, I need to start exploring myself a little bit more because I'm not so sure I would, I can be like straight up a girl for the rest of my life. Wow, that's a very interesting moment to look back on because it's almost like you found a piece of yourself, you stumble upon this character, then you took shelter under their identity and feeling more of yourself than you know anything else you have encountered I just thought that was amazing um so let's flash a little forward um we didn't speak a whole lot during the pandemic being both shelter at home but um when I came back to campus and we finally met up I've realized a lot has 
it, you always get surprised the first time you see someone out of pandemic. For me, it came across very clear that you did a lot of self-reflection. You put a lot of pieces together during the pandemic. And I was just really happy for you to see how things made more sense to you in the end and how comfortable you've become. So would you like to um, give us a little taste of how that whole reflection part came to be? And I would say the biggest thing was Obviously, everyone knows seclusion from society and, you know, not having to perform your your gender identity, not having to, that's expected of you, not having to perform um, things like that or not having to show up to work dressed in a certain way gives you time and space to explore yourself, right? So I would say for me, the biggest one was not having to perform as a religious person at my religious community, that was probably the biggest thing because I had already been very mildly religious on the inside. Outwardly, I was this perfect religious child, but on the inside, I had my doubts. I didn't really feel feel the vibe of religion. I didn't really like it much. And not having to meet up with people every week to reinforce what I was taught let me escape that a bit. And I actually became non-religious I'm still spiritual but I don't identify with religion anymore and when that broke down I was finally free of those expectations to one day marry a man or present as a woman and have children all that just kind of fell off in that moment because I knew I wouldn't have to try and fit that religious mold so from there I started experimenting with pronouns. Um, I didn't really change the way I dressed because I had always dressed very androgynously, I would say. And I started cutting my hair really, really short, which upset my parents. But to them, it was like, you're at home. No one's going to see you, whatever. But yeah. And then I let people online use different pronouns on me, things like that. I decided from then on to test my sexuality to keep up with like really, really handsome, really perfect guys on Instagram and on uh, TikTok and stuff and to see if I felt anything towards them. And it ended up being mostly gender envy, me wanting to look like them rather than wanting to date them. I couldn't imagine myself dating a man or being with one, marrying one, all of that. So I would say halfway through the pandemic year, 2020, I officially put all the pieces together and I came out as non-binary gender fluid and as a lesbian. Yes, this is where we need to insert the air horn music. (laughs) That's so great because, you know, there is so many things that we were just programmed to believe about ourselves, the world around us ever since we were kids. I guess the pandemic really gave a lot of us a chance to kind of distangle from all those external pieces. Um, Really happy to hear that you were able to make new connections alongside with your journey. Would you like to talk about your relationship with other people? Did you have any difficult conversations 
with your church group or any family members? If I remember correctly, I came out to my friends that are not of my ethnicity or religion. Um, my friends that I know from high school, I've known them for a while and I knew they would be accepting. And so that's why I came out to them first. And they were like, yeah, sure, that's really cool. They had a lot of questions, of course, because pronouns of, are the biggest part of like, I think gender expression that people always get caught up with. Um, at the time I was using all pronouns. So she, uh, he, they pronouns. And I was really concerned with like explaining to people that you rotate them around and just, you know, use them interchangeably, things like that. And then I decided I wanted to move on to family and potentially people from my religious childhood. So I picked out a few friends that I knew were probably more open than others. And I came out to them. And then some, most of them were actually very accepting, which was nice. Um, I actually realized that some of them themselves had questioned their sexuality as well. So I was surprised to see that we were all kind of in our own bubbles of questioning, but scared to confront the others because we'd all grown up the same way in the same homophobic, transphobic community. So I found a lot of comfort in that and we actually became closer as friends. From there, I just started coming out to more and more people that I felt comfortable coming out to. I started comfortably telling people, hey, I actually go by these pronouns now because as someone who's gender fluid, honestly, like my feelings towards gender expression change very often. <laughs> so I always like to update people with what I'm comfortable with. And yeah, from there, I just kind of kept going. And it's been a little scary, I'd say, because you never know how someone will receive what you say. But I am very, very thankful that my situation turned out like this. That's great to hear. So would you like to share a moment that you find um, those pleasant, like surprisingly pleasant, and a moment that's a bit challenging? The, for the first one, a pleasant moment, spring 2021 I was back on campus for the first time in like a year and I had come out to one of my guy friends he's cisgendered heterosexual and he is also part of the church community that I grew up in I was kind of expecting it to be like you know he would take the news well and just like maybe mess up a couple of times with, I, with uh, my pronouns or things like that, which was fine with me because I know it takes time. But immediately, like literally the day after, he started treating me, I'm more mask leaning, to be honest, I'm more masculine presenting and identifying. Um, so, and he knew that. So he immediately started treating me exactly like he does his other, I guess, you know, quote unquote, guy friends. So that really surprised me because I was like all of a sudden doing like the bro handshake and hug and I was like this is weird but it felt so affirming like I felt so good but then on the other hand um I came out on accident actually to a friend that was you know same situation she's heterosexual cisgendered and of the 
church community I grew up in. So I came out up to her with just my gender identity, not my sexuality, because I felt like that would be easier to accept. And she was, she took it well. And then another few weeks passed. And like, for some reason, everything melted down. She started freaking out. She was like, but how are you not a girl? Or how are you not either a man or a woman? Like, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. It's biological, blah, blah, blah. Have you talked to people in our religious community? Have you talked to people older than you and expressed this to people that understand our religion? Things like that. She was very concerned for me, I could say. And I was really taken aback because I had received such a good um, response so far. And it was in that moment I realized that not everyone is safe to come up to, of course, but also that I kind of felt like there was a gap between the way I was received by cisgendered guys versus girls. I felt like at times the girls, because they saw me as a girl, couldn't grasp the idea of how are you not a girl, that kind of thing. But on the other hand, the guys, when I'd be like, hey, I'm more masculine presenting or leaning, to them it was like, oh, you're like me. And they could very easily receive that. So that was something that I, I think that was a good part of it all is I noticed people react differently depending on their identities and how they're able to relate to you and um, see themselves in your shoes. That's very insightful. And another thing I would like to hear more about is um, you said religion has been a big, big piece of your life. Even I know that you were really involved with Sunday school, even throughout college. So since the pandemic, how have you been able to reconcile the religious part of you or the spiritual part of you versus your gender and sexuality aspect that wouldn't be deemed as acceptable by the religious community? I, first of all, like you said, I was involved at church a lot. So I dropped those responsibilities because I felt it was unfair for me to be teaching something that I didn't really believe in. But from there, I gradually um, decided to let go of religion. And one by one, I took apart the things that I'd learned. And it ended up leading me to think there's nothing left. You know, I don't really relate to it at all at this point. So now it isn't very loosely spiritual. Like I believe there is like a higher power. And I believe that our purpose in life is to live as well as we can and to be as good as we can, um, to be true to ourselves and, you know, enjoy the ride of humanity. So I still attend uh, religious ceremonies here and there and keep up with the holidays, um, especially when I'm living at home during break and stuff like that. So I'd say that this part of me is a work in progress because in the future, if I, you know, when I move out, like, will I continue to attend religious ceremonies just for the sake of tradition and the things I've grown up with, I'm comfortable with, um, you know, or will I cut it all off? I'm not sure, but I do know for sure that 
internally, I'm very, very loosely spiritual as of right now. Do you ever see those two pieces coming together for you in your life? I think I was traumatized a bit by religion. So sometimes I'll think to myself, hey, you know, in the future, you never know, you might come to be religious again, you never know. But as of right now, I'm just kind of like putting that away because it's hard to deal with. But honestly, down the line, I might find religious communities that will allow me to be both at the same time. I really hope so, at least, because it's something I feel very strongly about and something I was very used to growing up. It was probably the biggest part of my life was being religious as a child. So I hope to figure that out as I get older. Or start your own religion. Like, let's say that's an option. Honestly, if y'all want to join my religion, listeners, please let me know. Maybe I could start one. Contact Alex by <laughs> just kidding. So how are you feeling in this moment? You know, after having gone through so many self-reflection conversations with people and yeah how's that do do you feel more at peace with the world or do you in this process you see more things that you want to work towards I feel very comfortable as of right now and wholly me like I feel like I know myself a lot better than I ever have before and I think I would like to work towards helping other religious kids that grew up similar to me um, realize themselves and break away parts of the community that traumatize them so that they can live comfortably as well. I also think that I realized throughout the journey that I've taken through the quarantine period and I think a turning point for me with labels was I watched a video where the person explained how labels are meant to be tools to people rather than boxes. And from there, I kind of adopted the mindset of it's okay if you don't fit your label 100%. I mean, who the hell actually knows what each label means 100% in the first place? You pick out what works best for you. And if you need to change it, then you change it. And you should do that without guilt. It's not like you were pretending. You genuinely thought you were that, you know, label or of that community at some point. And that's fine. And I also realized that people take labels and weaponize them sometimes and things like that. So I guess the big moral of the story would be to just exist as comfortably as you can and to use what you see around you to help you do that don't let the things around you define you and box you in but rather you know take them play with them twist them around use them to let other people know how you're feeling or the things that you're into things like that but don't let them be like a set of rules for you in the same way religion is you know don't let them be 
a religious set of rules that you have to follow. Like, don't let that, you know, trick you into messing up your self-discovery moment. I think that's the biggest thing that I learned is to just kind of take it easy and not be too afraid to experiment with things. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. So if you are given the opportunity to design a world, a utopia you would like to live in, what would that look like? Definitely genderless and sexualityless, which like I would like it if people just were born and obviously are born with genitalia because reproduction and you know keeping the human race alive just but because yeah like I would like it if we were born and just could exist and were attracted to people based on their personalities and nothing more and didn't label that attraction just you fall in love with someone and I guess if you want to pick someone who's got the genitalia to match you in order to have kids you do you but I think it would be nice if that if we were free of those labels we wouldn't I don't think we would have trans people because if you know boobs and, and hips weren't gendered and people didn't see those and think that's a girl then you wouldn't have as many people so desperately wanting to present as a quote-unquote man in society and being so dysphoric about having a chest and hips for example so I think if the world didn't label everything as black or white and we just all kind of existed then everything would be better wow thanks yeah I something that I came to the U.S. so for our listener I am international student from China Something I came here and realized um, to be a bit funny is gender reveal party. That's not a thing in my culture. So we do like a, a hundredth day party. It's kind of like celebrating. You are able to raise your kid to a hundred. Then I came here and people are celebrating their kids, I guess, genitalia by like firing like color balloons and all that. I never quite really understand the concept and take comfort in it do you have any thoughts on that I think gender reveal parties are really stupid and a little bit invasive like I mean the biggest thing is parents get too attached to the not the genitalia of the child they don't care about the genitalia they care about what the genitalia means for the social norms that they'll have to deal with like a lot of fathers want a son not because he has a penis, but because he will have to wear certain things and act a certain way. And sons are, you know, quote unquote, easier to protect than daughters and sons don't hoe around like daughters do, things like that. And on the other hand, mothers might want a daughter because daughters will help you in the kitchen or they'll help you clean the house. And you can't wait to get her dressed for prom and to see her off on her wedding day in that cute white dress. Like people confuse the, you know, genitalia of a newborn that has no personality whatsoever and no nothing to contribute to the world as it is um, with what the future will hold living in a gendered world. And I think like continuing to keep up with 
whether it's a, a girl or boy based on genitalia just reinforces that over time. Yeah, for sure. It's almost like people don't know how to act around a baby without seeing whether they're wearing pink or blue. Also, as a visual artist, I find that idea really stupid too because girls used to wear blue because that's the color that uh, Mother Mary wore. So that's supposed to be a color of purity and symbolize femininity. But during World War II, that's changed. And now um, pink is supposed to be a feminine color, which, you know, why are we labeling something so arbitrarily and but it becomes so ingrained in our brains that we don't think about that too often um i read this interesting study about how um a psychology lab hired a lot of volunteers and they would dress they will ask volunteers to play with a baby in the room then they would dress the baby in like pink or blue so you can have a perception of their gender and they the scientists observed how the volunteers interact with the baby and based on the volunteers perception of the baby's gender they would give them different toys like girls will get like dolls and like stuffed animals whereas the baby wearing blue will likely to receive like trains and like more mechanical toys and in the end the psychologist would tell the volunteers saying oh the pink baby who you think was a girl you just play with is actually John like you know how did you like interacting with him um, then the volunteers will be taken aback and say, oh, I didn't know I had gender bias, even though no one had told them about the gender or the name of the baby, but they just inherently subconsciously interact with the baby based on their perception of the baby's gender. And a lot of that could inf- impact, you know, a lot of the behaviors of the baby, brain chemistry and all that. And gender reveal parties, kind of the roots of gender coding, gender policing traced to the very beginning. Like if I have a kid in the future, like I'm going to do everything green. Like I'm not going to let you know, like let your preconception of gender like mess with my kid's development and discovery. It's just, it's crazy how people don't realize that this stuff affects us so deeply and it starts from the moment you're born and the doctor says it's a girl or it's a boy you know like from there on like the child's life is mapped out for them and it's really sad because it can stunt our self-discovery if you're listening even if you're sure that you're cisgendered heterosexual you need to experiment then now you're sure that you're cisgendered you didn't just you know, adopt what was given to you at birth. So yeah, don't be afraid to experiment. Don't be scared of labels. Labels are stupid. You can go unlabeled. You can just say I'm queer and uh, live your life to the fullest. That's it. Thank you for listening to the first ever episode of The Panic Room with Sophia Yen. Special thanks to my creative director, Monica Baldwin, for helping me launching this show. Dear listener, if you or anyone you know has an inspiring story to share, please contact 
thepanicroomsy@gmail.com. I would love to chat with you in this space. Thank you for tuning into the Panic Room, and until next time.